0: Hello again, Fight Fans. Welcome to episode number 211 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero. And today we're going to talk about the fight schedule explosion. We've got a loaded schedule starting from April through uh, July, actually. I was going to say June, but there was just a big fight announced for July. More about that in a second. And a new deal from the Zone. They are going to be in over 200 countries very, very soon, so they are really going for the global market there. And of course, Chocolatito is back. Mikey Garcia grabs a win over Jesse Vargas. We've got a lot to discuss. So, this is TNC 211 for the week of March 7th. Guys, you see the numbers right there behind me. Get on the phone lines, but wait about 15-20 minutes, okay? Let me get into the news and notes a little bit. We'll get you in the queue, the call queue, and then we'll get to the calls in a little while. In the USA, it's 213-267-7787. In the UK, it's 02081 As always, I ask you guys to make sure you're subscribed here on YouTube and make sure whether you're subscribed or not, click the notification bell, okay? Because that way you'll know the second I go live, you'll get a notification. Also, get over to iTunes, okay? Go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review that helps me so much. I need those ratings and reviews. Okay. Go on there, guys. It takes you about five minutes. Same thing goes for Spotify. Spreaker, where we are going live right now. I need reviews there. iHeartRadio, everywhere else. Okay. Make sure that you do that. So let's get right into the news and notes. Actually, real quick before that, uh, a few of you guys talked about the callers last week going long and you were criticizing that. So look, last week on the show, It was following a huge event with with Wilder and Fury with their rematch, right? So I knew there were going to be a lot of calls, particularly from the UK, talking about that fight, and I let the calls go a bit long. There were several calls that went like 10, 15 minutes long. I know that normally, you know, you guys wouldn't enjoy that, but I thought last week was one of those occasions where I just let people talk. Normally, guys, I'm going to keep the calls to about five minutes apiece. So I asked... For those of you who are calling into the show, and so far we've had some outstanding calls from all over the freaking world. I ask you guys to have your questions ready, your comments ready. And generally speaking, we're going to keep the phone calls till about five minutes or less. But after a huge event like that, where we saw Tyson Fury uh, really just really live up to everything that he promised he was going to do, but exceed expectations, okay? Not many people predicted he would knock out wilder the way he did i just wanted to let you guys talk so i hope that you can appreciate that not every episode is going to go with that pacing normally we like to keep the pace a little quicker so just note going forward when you guys call in have your questions your comments ready and we'll keep it to about five minutes a call but some calls are going to go long in some episodes of this podcast we need to talk about some big some big things So some of the calls will go long, but normally five minutes or less. Okay. All right. So that was just a quick public service announcement into the news and notes. Let's talk about this fight schedule. So I told you guys expect some fight announcements after Fury and Wilder, because everyone kind of saw how much that event was trending and they didn't want it to steal the thunder from their upcoming shows. So literally days after that fight, you got all these fight announcements. It's no surprise. And in fact, I think Canelo, he's going to fight Billy Joe Saunders, but I think they're waiting on that official announcement because they want their own little day or two to themselves, their own little week to themselves. So expect that announcement officially this week. But anyway, fight schedule coming up this spring. Regis Progre and Maurice Hooker, April 17th. That's going to be awesome. That's an awesome card. There's a good co-feature there and a good female fight on there as well. Of course, Inoue Casimiro. that's April 25th. Canelo Billy Joe Saunders is going to be May 2nd. Also, over in Scotland, uh, you're going to have Josh Taylor defending the first defense of his unified titles against one of his mandatories over there, a tough kid out of Thailand. Uh, Ramirez and Postol, that has been rescheduled for May 9th. Anthony Joshua Kubrat-Pulev. That's going to be June 20th in London. That's a good heavyweight fight, man. That's a good matchup. And, of course, the third fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, July 18th in Las Vegas. So, man, that three months. I mean, the next few weeks, is there's a lot of fights over the next few weeks. Oh, Oh, yeah, Usyk Chisora from Piglet Smith. He says Usyk Chisora in the chat. Totally forgot about that one, my man. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. We've got a loaded schedule coming up, right? Next few weeks, a lot of fights, but not any particularly great fights. But starting in April, you know, the spring into the summer, we've got a hell of a schedule. And I think that later in the year, we're going to get the third fight between Canelo and Golovkin. Should they both be successful in their upcoming fights, which I believe they will be. I think we're going to get Canelo-Golovkin three in September. It's going to be at 168 for Canelo's super middleweight title that he's about to take off Billy Joe Saunders. I think it's a great way for Golovkin to save face because he'll move up to 168. He'll challenge for Canelo's title there. Should he lose in that third fight, he still has his title at 160 to fall back on. So I think that's the plan there. Uh, Of course, we'll talk more about that as more fights come together. But guys, that's a hell of a schedule right there for those three months, man. That's awesome. I should say those four months. Let's talk about the zone real quick. So the zone hasn't had a particularly stellar start to the year, although they just had the fight of the year last Saturday. We'll talk about that in a second. But man, they just they're announcing a huge, huge deal where they're about to go into they're about to launch in over two hundred countries slash territories, beginning with Canelo's fight against Billy Joe Saunders May 2nd, including Mexico. They're going to launch in Mexico. So it makes sense you would launch in Mexico on the same day that you have a Canelo, Canelo Alvarez event. That makes a lot of sense, right? But they're also going in Australia, India, Poland, huge fight community in Poland, Russia. Obviously, that makes a lot of sense. Southeast Asia, that makes sense. And the UK. So, man, is skyboxing going to be around two, three years from now? I don't know. I don't know, but going in all those different markets, okay, that shows you DeZone's commitment. Now, a lot of people who have agendas over the last couple of years have talked about zone not making a lot of money right now, which DeZone America, I, who I think overpaid for certain fighters, some of these guaranteed contracts they threw around was, was a little overpaid, but they're not making money. DAZN America is bleeding money, but what I've told you guys is that they're backed by – Billionaires, not millionaires, billionaires, and they're in all these other markets, and the what they're doing in these other markets, they're actually doing pretty well, and I think that's going to continue. Now launching in over two hundred different territories over the next few years, what they're going to start doing in these other markets and in other sports in these other markets is going to help subsidize the money that they're bleeding in the USA. I think their long game is that five, ten years down the road. They're doing better in the USA market. They've figured that out. All the fluctuations are over. And they figured out what that sweet spot is, what they can pay for fighters and you know, make a profit here in the States. But if they're doing well in these other markets, it's going to subsidize everything. I'm telling you guys, they're playing the long game. They're going to be around. I don't know how it's going to look. But five, ten years down the road, DAZN is still going to be involved in boxing in a pretty big way. We don't, again, we don't know how it's going to look. But down the road, they got something going here. So, if they were really, really concerned, would they launch that they're going to go in 200-plus countries? Would they announce that? I don't think so. So, they're playing the long game here. Let's review the card from last weekend. I thought that this card in Frisco, Texas was the best card of the year. Obviously, look, I get it. We're only two months into the year. Okay? Well, officially now we're in March. So, we're in the third month, officially. But – all things considered, top to bottom, this was a hell of a card, man. Great card for Matrimon zone, Frisco, Texas. And let's start on the undercard. Israel Madrimov scores a TKO5 win. He's now 5-0 and with five knockouts. Right now, it's between him and Jerron Boots Ennis for the top two prospects in the sport. It's those two guys. I saw some things at Madrimov that concerned me a little bit. Maybe he just didn't respect his opponent enough, but he does get hit. And there are some things that could tighten up. I said some of the same things about Jerron Ennis when he fought recently. So they're prospects. There's, of course, things they can iron out. But in terms of the intangibles, the athleticism, everything Majumov brings, dude, this guy's going to win titles in multiple weights. It's not just going to be one division. He's going to win titles in multiple divisions. Joseph Parker, TKO5 win over a journeyman level opponent who is very, very undersized. Um, Look, I don't know what this means. I think that Parker, he said he wants a fight with Chisora or a rematch with Dillian White later this year. I don't think he's getting a Dillian White fight. But if him and Chisora fight, I'd welcome that. I'd really welcome that. I think that'd be a hell of a lot of fun. That would be great. Also, flyweight action, Julio Cesar Martinez scores unanimous decision win over Jay Harris, his first fight outside the UK. This is the first defense of Martinez's WBC flyweight title, and scores were 116-111, 115-112. Those were good scores. There was a knockdown in the 10th round. Harris was dropped. So those scores are eight rounds to four, seven rounds to five. I was cool with those scores, but Herb Santos, a Nevada judge. What is it about these Nevada judges? He scored this fight 118-109. Ten rounds to two. That's just too wide. That's just too wide. I, I thought eight rounds to four was right there. It, it was a competitive fight. Jay Harris won several rounds, but clearly Martinez won. The knockdown was the icing on the cake. But to score it ten rounds to two, not a good scorecard, but the right man won. Martinez, let's talk about him for a second. I think there's been issues in the past with Clembuterol, but the WBC Vada, as directed by Wada, has changed their thresholds with Clembuterol, which is fine. I'm cool with that. If that's the ruling Wada handed out, everyone should follow it. I'm cool with that. But this kid looks unbelievably strong and has crazy stamina and strength for that division. Um, I would. I'm not accusing him of anything. I want to make that clear. I'm not throwing out any accusations, but I'd love to see him do Vada testing. I just like to see it. I asked Vada this weekend: Has Martinez been tested as part of the clean boxing program? Um, I haven't got a clear answer back yet, but from what I understand, he hasn't been tested very much. I'd lo- I just love to see the kid get tested because man, just almost superhuman the way that he looked in the ring. However, DeZone, DeZone was going nuts, salivating over this kid, calling him pound for pound. Literally, Brian Kenny on the broadcast team, who I like, I think was just going a little over the top with Martinez. I like him. He's exciting. He's all offense. But boy, does he square up. And boy, does he get hit a lot. If Jay Harris could punch at all, this may have been a different fight. There, I mean, Jay Harris's face was all sorts of messed up at the end of this fight. He took a beating. But he also dished out plenty of punishment as well. And for a guy who can't really crack an egg, Harris does not punch hard. Everything's on the back foot. You know, Martinez, his face was marked up too. So Martinez in there against a guy who could move side to side the way Harris did. Harris showed some good movement, really coming I should say straight forward and backward, not really too much laterally, but still some good movement there. But the way you know he just doesn't punch hard. Doesn't set, uh, plant his feet into his punches. So, uh, you know, I, I, let's pump the brakes a little bit on Martinez. I'm not ready to call him a pound for pound level guy. This was the first defense of his title. Now he's looked like an offensive juggernaut in his in his last few fights. He's looked really really strong on the offensive end, but he hasn't been in there with guys that could physically push him back and throw and land big punches on him. So let's pump the brakes just a little bit. He's been fighting the same kind of style recently. I want to see a little diversification. I want to see some defense. I'm sure he's got more levels. His team claims, his his management claims, that he has more levels to him. He just hasn't been really forced to show it yet. I just want to see that before I get too excited. But I'll tell you this. He's fun as hell to watch. And Jay Harris deserves a ton of credit for hanging in there and going the distance and winning some rounds, including late in the fight. He won a couple rounds late to make this thing competitive, but it really wasn't that close. I don't think this was a six rounds a piece kind of fight. Like some people on Twitter were saying, I thought Martinez clearly won. It was very competitive though, more competitive than most people thought. And it's a candidate for fight of the year so far I don't think it's the fight of the year. It's not, it's not going to be anywhere near the top of the list by the time the year is up. But this was a good quality flyweight world title scrap. This was good stuff. High-level stuff and a lot of heart shown by both guys. In the co-main, and really, let's be honest, this was the main event, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez challenging Khalid Yafai, who was defending his WBA super flyweight title for, I believe, the fifth time. No, sixth time. I think this was the sixth time he was defending that title. He won it a few years ago. It was a vacant title. And the WBA eventually, I think, bumped him up to super champion right before this fight with Gonzalez. It's sneaky genius what the WBA did there because I think they knew Gonzalez was going to win. And this was a way to get Chocolatito their super title. So what a performance by the old man. I say old man. I think he's 32. But he's a very old 32 TKO nine win over Yafai. Uh, I guess this is considered a minor upset. I think the betting—correct me if I'm wrong here, guys—but I think the betting odds had Yafai just barely carrying it. I think so. This is a minor upset in terms of betting, but no one's surprised that Chocolate Tito won. However, the way he absolutely dominated and beat down Yafai. It was kind of like what we saw, not exactly, but kind of what we saw Fury do to Deontay Wilder, except that Wilder was this feared puncher, right? Yafai was never that guy. Yafai, Olympian, five tile defenses. Now, look, it was against woeful opposition for the most part, and he got a gift in a recent fight. A lot of people felt that he should not have got the nod in a very close fight recently. So I get it, okay? I'm not calling Cal Ufai a world beater, a top dude. But he was certainly, certainly uh, a quality. It is a quality prize fighter, a top ten super flyweight, 115 pounder, and it was um, just an amazing performance to see Chocolatito. Just a couple years ago, being technically defeated twice by Cirica Ketsor Rungvisai, I thought he eked out their first fight in New York. I was there for that. I saw it live, even though he got dropped. I thought he won that fight, but clearly in the rematch, which I was also there for that one, just a devastating knockout loss, and you got the feeling that, oh, man, this is over. What a run. What a career. But this is over. And you guys remember, if you watched my show back then or followed me back then, I was saying, man, he needs to retire. I don't like this comeback. When he took a year off and came back, I didn't support it. I have to admit, I was completely freaking wrong. Not the first time. Won't be the last. But I was like, man, I don't know how this is going to go. I just don't know, man. He looked just shopworn in that la- that second fight with Rungvisai. Boy, did he prove me wrong and a lot of others by looking so fresh and just just beating Yafai to the punch, looking faster, younger, quicker. Just looked outstanding in this fight. And, yeah, was Cal Yafai somewhat made to order for Chocolatito? Yes. In 2020 hindsight, You go back and watch that fight a second time. You could just kind of see it. In terms of styles, Chocolatito, this this was a perfect matchup for him. But he's just a much better fighter. Even though he's past his best days, clearly, he's still light years ahead of anything Yafai is ever going to be. So he just, with this performance, look, let's back up a second here. Fighter of the decade in the 2010s. I think you can make a legitimate case that Román González was the fighter of the decade 2010 to 2019. You certainly can make a case. Now, most people went with Floyd Mayweather. I think one platform named Andre Ward, the fighter of the decade, which was insane. That was just atrocious. Not that Andre Ward wasn't an outstanding fighter, but he wasn't fighter of the decade. But you could make a case for Floyd because of his accomplishments and all the money he made, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of wins and accomplishments – I thought Chocolatito was the guy. But I understand some people may have hesitated because of the way things went back in 2017. He takes 2018 off, fights a couple of no-hopers, really. You know, limited opposition in 2019. Here's the thing, man. If you take this win last Saturday and you back it up two months, two months, instead of this, this card was on February 29th, if it was on December 29th, of 2019. Holy shit, does that it just it would have put that argument to bed. If this fight was 2 months ago and Chocolatito would beat Calyfa the way he did to win the title again, there would have been absolutely no argument fighter of the decade. It just so happens. It came 2 months too late in a new decade technically. But if you look at what this dude accomplished Saturday, he went from a first ballot hall of famer to an all-time great Now, a lot of people already considered him an all-time great. There's a lot of people out there, particularly from a certain fan base uh, related to a certain platform, that seem to just not dig Román González. They're not Chocolatito fans. But outside of that fringe element, a lot of people already considered Chocolatito a future all-time great level fighter. Now... How could, you, how could you argue against it? How could you deny it? Him coming back at this stage and doing what he just did is basically what Manny Pacquiao did last year against Keith Thurman, right? He came back and beat a much younger, stronger, physically uh, bigger, younger, stronger Keith Thurman to win a title. That's just what we saw Chocolatito do. So he deserves all the kudos that Manny Pacquiao got last year and more because Calia has been a hell of a lot more active then Keith Thurman, although Keith Thurman has fought better opposition. So the thing I love about Chocolatito, and I was thinking about this, the offense is so pretty, right? It's just punches and bunches. There's a lot of fighters who set up their offense with feints. Tyson Fury, except for his last fight, is a guy who does that. Even in the last fight, he set it up with, with his feints. A lot of people set up their offense behind a jab. A lot of fighters set it up with movement, with their legs, right? They use their, their movement to get the right angle and spacing they need, then they get off. You see that a lot with the Eastern European fighters, right? They need to kind of be set to get their offense going. Roman Gonzalez doesn't need any of that shit. He doesn't need feints. He doesn't even need to work behind a jab. He doesn't need to set his feet. It's going to sound silly what I'm going to say, but think about it. He sets up his offense with offense. <laughs> it might not make any sense, but just hear me out. Chocolatito, everything he does is with intent. And sometimes he punches through the target. Sometimes his punches are cupping to move you where he wants you. Then he gets off. Everything leads to another thing. Every single punch leads to another punch, leads to another punch. And then he's out of range. So he's not one of these guys that needs to get you perfectly set up and then he gets off a right hand. Or he sticks you with a jab, waits for you to shoot, and then he counters you or something like that, or he faints and gets you to faint with him, and then he catches you. He just rolls downhill and is constantly working, constantly working. And when he hits you with the left hand, you better be damn sure a right hand's coming. As soon as you think the right hand's coming, he hits you twice in a row with the left hand. Sometimes it's three, four times in a row with the left hand. It might be a jab, uppercut, hook, jab combo. And then you're looking left hand, boom, here comes the right. You're looking upstairs, he comes downstairs. And it's so effortless. The punches have different velocity, different angles. You see, how many guys do you see punch at the same speed over and over? They're always pitching fastballs, right? Chocolatito's got every pitch in the book. If he were a Major League Baseball pitcher, he would have every pitch in the book, and he would be a nine inning pitcher. This guy can do it all offensively, and his offense is his defense. And now apparently he's taken the training seriously in between fights. He's not spending uh, too much time at the restaurants, drinking beers and eating a bunch of you know bad food, rice and beans and shit. So we'll see. It might be too little too late in terms of the, the longevity. I mean, when you start getting in your 30s at those lower weight classes, that's old for those weight classes, right? But man, he looked great in this fight. And apparently they're going to do a rematch. They're talking about doing a rematch with Juan Francisco Estrada this summer. If they do that fight in Los Angeles, that is a fight between two tiny little dudes that can carry a show on their own in the United States. If I told you 20 years ago that two tiny little dudes who walk around at 120 pounds in between fights could not only fight in a main event, but completely carry a promotion on their own in a fight on U.S. soil, you would have laughed at me and called me stupid. And it'll probably happen this summer. These two guys, now, you can't do that in New York. There's certain markets you can't do that. But in Los Angeles, I'm telling you, if you have Estrada and Gonzalez, a rematch there at uh, StubHub or whatever the hell it's called now, that right there. That's a main event, and that carries that card. You don't even need a strong co-feature. That'll do a great crowd. So it is what it is. Uh, Chocolatito, the king, is back. Now let's talk about the main event real quick. Guys, if you want to get on the phone lines here, uh, 213-267-7787 in the US of A, 2081 in the UK. Mikey Garcia scores a unanimous decision win over Jesse Vargas. This was at welterweight. So he drops Vargas in the fifth round. And I thought watching this live, Vargas started great. He won three of the first four rounds. And I'm watching this thinking, damn, maybe Vargas could pull this off. He gets hit with a good shot on the back of the head, side of the head. um, And from that point on, he just never looked the same. He did have a late rounds rally to kind of make it interesting. And it was a close fight, but clearly Mikey Garcia won. Uh, the scores were 116, 111 twice. I like those scores. One judge had up 114, 113, which is a draw in terms of rounds. I guess that's okay. I just thought that clearly uh, Garcia won seven, maybe eight rounds, okay? So, but but those scores both ways are within the realm of, of reason. So the right guy won, but it was a close competitive fight because of Vargas's late rounds push. But going into this fight, Neither one of these guys was rated by the Ring Magazine because we can't rate them at 140. Let's start with Mikey Garcia. We can't rate him at 35. He hasn't fought there in ages, or 140, same thing. His last fight was at welterweight, and he was annihilated, and this fight was at welterweight. So where do we rate Mikey Garcia? Well, he's fighting in the welterweight division, so we have to rate him there, right? He's not a top 10 welterweight, at least coming in this Saturday. So he was unranked by ring magazine. Imagine that Mikey Garcia unranked by ring magazine. Same thing with Jesse Vargas. Now, Jesse Vargas has been at 47. Most of his career, he's called out plenty of fighters in different divisions and everything, but he's a 147 guy. He's not a top 10 welterweight. Okay. He was for a little while, barely on the fringes. He's not a top 10 welterweight. So between these two fighters, does Mikey Garcia winning this make him a top 10 welterweight? I don't know. We're debating that right now at the Ring Ratings Committee. As of this show, as of the time I'm recording this, we haven't made a decision on that. I don't know. Do we put him in at 10? Do we sneak him in there? Right now we have Igodigis Kavaliowskis at number 10. Does Mikey Garcia slide in there? And, and, and do we kick the mean machine out? He did lose his last fight. Maybe. Either way, I just. what does this mean for Garcia going forward? He's probably going to fight Manny Pacquiao later this year. Does he have a chance against Manny? Of course. He's got the nice straight one-two right down the middle. There's always a chance Manny could dive right into one of those punches and get hurt, of course. Probably not, though. Manny's angles and athleticism and speed are going to give Mikey Garcia all sorts of problems. And the difference between Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao in regards to fighting Mikey Garcia – Garcia saw everything Spence was doing. He couldn't do much but cover up for the most part. But you see Spence's punches coming. He doesn't do anything spectacular where you're not seeing the shots coming. But Manny, if he's on his A game, the way he dropped Keith Thurman, and I think it was the first, maybe second round of that fight, it's because he caught Thurman with the shot. He just couldn't get out of the way. He thought he was out of range, but boom, this little dude was right on his ass and dropped him. I could see that happening with Mikey Garcia, but Mikey Garcia has a massive head. He has a heavyweight head on a bloated lightweight's body, so I think he'll be able to take Manny's shots. That's probably a distance fight. Manny Pacquiao wins that by decision. Let me know what you guys think. Let's go to the phones real quick. You got a couple calls here. We'll jump on real quick before we do the fight preview. Three one two. You are on the neutral corner. Go. Three one two. You're on the hey. show. what's up?
1: Hey, Mike, this is John from uh, Chicago, Illinois, by the way of St. Louis still. But um, there's two topics I wanted to bring up. So basically, uh, Mikey Garcia, I think he's just trying to cash out whatever price he can at this point, really. You know what I mean? Like, he's only chasing Pacquiao. He only wants to go back back down to Loma like two years ago when he kept on mentioning him. But then even then, he was kind of unsure because I think he was scared that Loma was going to beat him. And then therefore, he'd lose all his paydays, you know. So I don't know how what you think about that, but like at this point, I don't think he cares about boxing. He'll say that he say he loves the fans. He says he like he he you know he wants all the best fights, but it's only to make the money so he can get the hell out of out of boxing at this point. I don't I don't see his like you know drive to be great or anything like that. He just wants a Pacquiao fight in Saudi Arabia so he can make you know 10 to 20 million if he can, and then he'll just cash out and leave the sport. And I think the fight that everyone wanted for him was the Loma fight. And he just left everyone hanging like a year or two ago when he moved out of 135, you know, he, he planted that seed. He was telling everyone he wanted it. And then he just left, you know?
0: Yeah. I agree with you, man. Um, I think that look what, maybe he feared that Lomachenko was going to do to him what Errol Spence did to him. And that would make him look really, really bad if he got beat. Also there is the top rank thing with, um, with, uh, sorry with Lomachenko man people are saying they can't hear you on YouTube but I hear you fine so I don't know what's going on here because I'm picking you up fine on my end but um anyway yeah man I thought that maybe you know he didn't want to do business with top rank and then on top of that Mm -hmm. he didn't want to get embarrassed by a smaller guy him going up and fighting Errol Spence There was more money in that because he was being paid under the table. He got an official purse, but then there was money under the table. And then he has the built-in excuse of, well, he was a lot bigger than me. So who cares, right? So now, guys, uh, for those of you on YouTube who couldn't hear the question, the caller here, John out of Chicago, is uh, asking about Mikey Garcia not wanting Vasily Lomachenko and just kind of going for the money. Why Why didn't he fight Lomachenko early at 135, and then he went after... Errol Spence at 147. So, yeah, basically what I'm saying is, you know, he didn't want to do business with top rank because he has bad blood with them. But then on top of that, you know, he did not want to be embarrassed by a smaller fighter. Him losing to a bigger fighter, it didn't hurt his branding. Now he's going to line up to fight Manny Pacquiao. The difference here, Manny Pacquiao is a lot older. Manny Pacquiao started as a flyweight. So if he loses badly to Pacquiao, I think it's clear at this point that like his branding He's he's kind of done as a top level fighter. You know what I'm saying? I think right. he he has to at exactly. least be really competitive in this fight.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's my reasoning. I think he's just going for that last fight with Pacquiao and calling it a day. He's basically trying to pull off the same thing Amir Khan's trying to pull off. Get a big fight and then retire, basically, at this point. Take no risk. Amir Khan's trying to do the same thing. He doesn't want to fight Kelbrook. Because the Manny Pacquiao fight is always going to be there, and if he can get that, then that's all he's in, in the game for, you know what I mean? Like, there's, the, the re- Their only reason is basically to make the money. That's all it is at this point, which is kind of sad because like, all the boxing fans are waiting for them to fight the fighters that they said they were, weren't afraid to fight, you know what I mean?
0: I'm with you, man. I, I think that – I've been saying it for years. Mikey Garcia is more businessman than boxer. But, you know, b- businessman first, fighter second – But, John, yeah, I got to get off the line here because uh, people are saying they can't hear you. I don't know what happened there. I'll see if if it just might be something up with the phone lines today. But I think they'll be able to hear you on Spreaker. Anyway, man, thanks a lot. And I appreciate the call, bro.
1: No problem, man. Give Uh, them a like, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks. All right, guys. I don't know why you guys on YouTube could not hear the phones. That is really, really weird. Uh, All right. let um, Let me take this next call. Hopefully, guys, I'm looking here at my feed. Number one, I could hear the caller in my headphones, and I could see that it's going through here on my Spreaker feed. So for those of you who are not hearing it on YouTube, click on Spreaker real quick and see if it's going through over there because on my end, it came through perfectly, perfectly fine. Let's take another call and see if this continues. Uh, 4474, you are on the neutral corner. Go. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Florence from London. How you doing, man? Doing well.
2: Yeah, yeah, good. Um, I have a question. Well, it's a but I want to know your thoughts. Um, I was wondering if you think, looking back, that uh, ring the Ring Ratings Committee made a mistake not reinstating AJ as number one after he avenged their Ruiz loss.
1: Uh, the reason I
2: say that is looking down the rest of the rating, um, AJ's got four names on his record, and Wilder and Fury only have one each. And it kind of seems weird that, you know, Fury is now the champion having beaten someone who wasn't the champion at the time. So yeah, just, just your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a great point, man. I think, um, and we talked about that on the rig ratings committee Um, real quick guys watching on YouTube, bear with me for just a second. Um, It's, it's right now. There's some, something wrong with YouTube because the, the callers are getting through on Spreaker. So, Uh, Just give me one second here, and um, we'll jump back off the phone lines. But uh, to answer your question, bro, it's something we talked about, and we went back and forth. The reason why we kept Wilder and Fury number one and number two is because going into their fight, um, their rematch, neither one of them had lost. Anthony Joshua, yes, when he he beat Andy Ruiz – and he looked great in that rematch. I, th- I think a lot of people criticized the way he looked in that rematch. I thought that was unfair. I thought he did what he had to do to win. But technically speaking, he did have a loss. And it was a, a, a knockout loss. Okay. It was competitive. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. what we just saw with Wilder, where he was completely dismantled from the, first, the opening bell. But still, that's why we had him rated number one, number two. Now the ring sure. magazine ruling that we have is that when you have a number one and number two in any division fight each other, that yeah, creates yeah. a new champion. So we gave yeah, Tyson yeah. Fury. Nah, the, I'm with that. Yeah. So he's the champion. And then the number one contender right now is Anthony Joshua. And I think that's fair. Some people were pissed off because we put Dillian white in at number two. And we put Deontay Wilder in at number three. Uh, some people were not happy with that, but I think you can make an, a strong argument that Dillian White's wins over the last two, three years are better than Deontay Wilder's wins. That's why we went with that decision. Well, that's, that's kind
2: of my point. I think because obviously, you know, now both of them have a loss. Um, you know, they're on the same plane in terms of losses. But I, I think the approach of making Fury and Wilder number one and number two on the basis that they, neither of them have a loss is probably the wrong way to go about it because we discourage fighters from taking on them risky fights where they might take a lot essentially um if you manage to avenge it and you do as well as aj did uh, i no one wants to see the, that that fight because he really did establish that he's a better fighter i think it shouldn't count that much against you because you end up just encouraging fighters to avoid the risky fight to hope to get into a position where they can you know fight the number one guy and then you know they become the man without really evidencing it fighting other fighters you know I know you, you completely agree that triangle theory doesn't quite work. So right. you can't have the assumption that just because you beat the champ, you would have also beaten all the other guys you fought. And no, I, agree. I think they're encouraging prospects to, 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 you know, fight uh, lower level fighters until they get a crack at the the main man.
0: I completely agree. And it's all got to be sorted out. We're going to get wilder fury to, uh, three this summer. AJ is going to fight Pulev should Whoever wins, I think Fury is going to beat Wilder, but whoever wins that, and I think Joshua is obviously going to beat Pulev, although who knows. The winners of those two fights, they have to fight (laughs) next. We have to have that. We have to get clarification. The time is now. No more marinating, no more bullshit. But, bro, I got to jump off here. I appreciate you calling, but um, no one's hearing you on YouTube. But thanks for calling, man. Have a good one. Cool, man. All right, guys, we're going to go to one more call real quick. I think um, – let me see here. 3538, you're on the neutral corner. Go. Hi. Hey,
2: how's it going? Um, real fast before we get
0: into anything,
2: uh, are you using OBS to broadcast?
0: Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm broadcasting – It's a broad... It's a broadcasting
2: encoder. For you, like you no, know. I'm not. Whatever. I'm using
0: um, – we're broadcasting through Spreaker – And the Spreaker feed is what's feeding out to YouTube. And, um, yeah, so people still can't hear you. It has to be some sort of issue with YouTube because I haven't changed anything in the setup. I don't have you muted here on Spreaker. The output from Spreaker is what's going directly into, through my mixer, going directly into my camera, which is feeding into YouTube. So it's it's something with YouTube, guys. I'm sorry. But go ahead and get your question in. That's simple
2: enough. Yeah,
0: yeah. um, so after the weekend, um,
2: we saw some great fights. We saw Mikey Garcia, Jesse Vargas, Choco Tito was back uh, after beating Callie Foy. And um, I just have a small question, quite simple. Do you think after the performance of Jay Harris, Eddie Hearn should sign him, specifically like in the UK? I think he can make great fights with him versus Callie Foy, him versus Charlie Edwards. Um, Do you think a guy like that, uh, in the manner of how he lost should be an example for other fighters that if you go out the right way and you put in all the effort, y- you should be given a contract. Cause I think if he doesn't get a contract and he continues to work in a warehouse in Amazon, it's kind of a travesty to the sport.
0: I completely agree. And that's an outstanding point. Let me repeat it for the guys on YouTube. So guys, he was saying that Jay Harris who works in an Amazon plant really, and is a, a part-time fighter because he has to work a full-time job, doesn't have a contract right now and he performed so well against Julio uh, Julio Cesar Martinez, it would be great if Eddie Hearn signed him to a contract immediately. And really, he could match Jay Harris, if he goes up three pounds, could match him against Kali next. And it would serve as a great example for fighters out there to go in there, give your all, put it all on the line, because sometimes in a loss, your stock rises. Let me tell you, there are a lot of fans – In the United States, who had no idea who Jay Harris was before this fight, they all know who he is now, particularly those fans who were there in Frisco, Texas, watching that fight. A lot of Mexican-American fans and a lot of fans back in Mexico that were watching Martinez and expecting him to blow out Harris, what they saw Harris do, they are fans of Harris now as well. So I think it's a great suggestion, bro. I completely agree with you. It's a point that I had not thought of. So I'm glad you brought that up, man. But, yeah, Harris absolutely deserves a contract after this. Eddie Hearn's a smart guy, and I think he's going to do the right thing here. I'd love to see a fight between Harris and Yafai. stylistically, It probably wouldn't be a a barn burner wouldn't it be a sparker, as you guys call it, but like i or a cracker, I should say, but um, I think that that's yeah, that's like a, you guys over there call it a cracker right if it's it's if it's uh yeah it's a cracker, a cracker yeah or a, cracker. A, cracker a corker or a that's call. okay yeah i don't think it'd be a, either of those i think it'd be more of a technical fight but i think he's earned it and i think it'd be great they're both coming off a loss do that in the uk i think there would be a good response but but let me jump off the phones man because we're still not getting you yep. guys on youtube but i appreciate the call and outstanding point
2: thank you peace
0: all right all right guys uh we're just gonna we're gonna and the phones tonight because I don't know what's going on here. Uh, I apologize for those of you that are listening to the audio podcast later because um, you've heard me say this a hundred times and you're hearing the calls fine, but I don't know what's going on on YouTube guys. Um, Again, it's an issue over there. This work, this happens with YouTube all the time. It's the issue with doing a live show when they do a, a patch, when they do some kind of new thing to YouTube, it's not always compatible with everyone's technology. And the only way to find out, for them to find out, is by me complaining to them later today that during my live show, people couldn't hear my fucking callers. And then they'll say, oh, okay. And then they'll go back and look at it and add another patch to fix what they just fucked up, obviously, today. So I apologize for that, guys. Real quick, let's do a fight preview, and then we'll wrap it up here on episode number 211 of The Neutral Corner. Uh, Tomorrow night, March 3rd, Knockout CP Freshmart defending his minimum weight title in Thailand. Also, uh, Friday, March 6th, there's a Telemundo card from Mexico City. Saturday, March 7th, a Golden Boy Promotions card from Mexico that will be on their Facebook watch page. And an MTK Global card from Brentwood, England on ESPN+. Also... Uh, the two big cards this Saturday. Let's start over in Manchester. Matchroom on the zone, also on Sky over there. Scott Quigg going up against Jono Carroll of Ireland. Good crossroads matchup here. I like this fight. This is kind of a winner. Both guys need to win. The winner goes on to p- possibly fight for another title at some point. The loser? I don't know. I don't know. So this is a crossroads fight that both guys need to win. It's England versus Ireland, which is always fun. Quigg had no fights last year in 2019. He had that tough loss to Oscar Valdez in 2018. Came off that fight. There was injuries in that fight. Um, Moved up in weight from 26 to 30. Did not fight at all last year. Carroll lost to Tevin Farmer last year. So Tevin Farmer beat him. Uh, Both these guys need that W. So I'm interested in seeing that one. Also on this card, Callum Johnson versus Russian Igor McCulkin, who fought I think lost to Sergey Kovalev on HBO a few years ago. That's how you remember that name. Uh, 12 rounds, light heavyweight fight. Also on this card, Hubie Fury and Anthony Fowler. And then in the U.S. of A in New York, PBC on Fox, heavyweight action, Adam Kovnatchi going up against Robert Hellenius. Kavnacci is 20-0, 15 knockouts, 6'3", 30 years old. Hellenius is 29-3, 18 knockouts, 6'6", 36 years old. So he's the bigger guy, Hellenius is, but he's older, a little more shopworn. At one point, Robert Hellenius was a prospect that a lot of people were, um, I'm not going to say excited about, but they were watching. They were checking him out, and they were interested and thinking, okay, this guy might have some potential here. He fought some decent heavyweights coming up, and he looked pretty good. I remember, I remember he fought Sam Peter and a couple other guys and scored knockout wins. And it's like, okay, let's keep an eye on this guy and see what happens. And then he just fell off the face of the earth and just has not looked the same. I think he's had health problems, uh, losses to Johan Duapas, a stoppage loss to him, Dillian White, Gerald Washington knocked him out in his only fight in the USA to date. This will be his second fight in the USA. I think he's going to get knocked out again. I expect the Polish fighter to win big here. Also on this card, FA Ajagba, Nigerian native who now trains out of the Houston area. Heavyweight prospect that a lot of people were really excited for, I think a little too soon. And he had, what, I think four fights in 2019. Looked pretty good in some of them, not so good in a couple others. So people have pumped the brakes a little bit on Efe Adjagba. Still definitely a guy to keep your eye on, but he's got some things he needs to iron out. He was kind of just doing the Deontay Wilder thing, his first eight, nine fights, where he was just going in there, right hand, right hand, right hand. And then he got in there with a couple of guys that saw the right hand coming, and he still beat them, but he didn't look fantastic doing it. He's got to start working on some other things. He's got to start developing some other things. This is the time to do it. So he's going up against Razvan Kogunu, Ko- who is out of Romania, now lives and trains out of California. 17 and six. He's lost four out of his last five. He is being served up here as a sacrificial lamb for the 2016 Olympian out of Nigeria. I think Ajagba, look. Kojanu is experienced. He's been in there with some top guys. And I think he's going to go rounds and give Ajagba something to think about here and there. But, dude, he's lost four out of his last five. He's been absolutely drilled in a couple of fights. He's been stopped pretty hard. So he's 32 years old, six foot seven, a little bit taller. Ajagba's six foot six. He's 25 years old, though. He's younger. He's more explosive. He's stronger. He's more athletic. Hits much harder. So far, he's shown he takes a much better shot. And Kojenu is not the guy to tell us the truth about, uh, to answer questions, I should say, about a Jogba's whiskers. So I like the 2016 Nigerian Olympian to stop Kojinu, And it's probably going to be highlight reel fashion. All right, let me go over here to the YouTube chat where it's just a sea of people bitching that they couldn't hear the calls. Guys, I'm sorry. I appreciate you letting me know, but I promise you, it's nothing on my end. Now, 99% of the time, if there are issues on the show, technically, it is my fault, because I'm half a moron, and I'm not very good at technology. But in this particular instance, I promise you it's not me. I did all my checks prior to starting the show, and um, everything was on point. So something up with YouTube. Hopefully it gets fixed. We'll look into it, and it'll be better by the next show. Uh, Guys, but that's also why I post the audio version of this on YouTube as well. You guys will see every week I post the live video, but then I also post the audio version that posts automatically from Spreaker. So you'll see that. Just in case there's issues with the YouTube, you get the audio version that you can watch on YouTube later. Or you can just go over to Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, whatever it is, and listen that way. Okay? All right, guys. Have a good one. Uh, We'll do it again next Monday. I'll see you at the fights.